Hi everyone, I'm Pastor Eric. And I'm Kelsey. And we're here to welcome you back to another exciting episode of The Good News in Harry Potter. Today we're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 11, The Firebolt. So Kelsey, what do you like about this chapter? I really enjoy Professor Trelawney in this chapter, just the whole way that she enters the Christmas dinner. First, you know, claiming that she's only there because... You know, her fortune telling told her that she was going to be there, so she figured she'd give in. Not like, you know, that she just decided, hey, I'm hungry, I'm going to go to dinner. No, things don't work like that, right? No. You know, you just, you know, I was foretold three months ago that there was a holiday dinner now, and I figured I woke up today and was like, I'm hungry. Yes. Yeah. She just has to keep up this whole aura of, you know, the third eye and being able to see to in the beyond and then it even goes even further when there's 13 people at the table and one person gets up or harry and ron get up and she's horrified that they're now going to die because if you dine with 13 the first to get up is the first to die i'm just imagining mcgonagall's eye rolls oh my gosh like just like straight shade popping up just trying not to make eye contact with Trelawney during this entire dinner. I can't believe that we actually didn't see a little bit of sass from Hermione in this, too. I know, right? You would have thought, but it's probably her respect for her teachers, and there's only so many people that it really, she's probably on her best behavior. Probably, and she's a little preoccupied, you know, being concerned about the firebolt. Mm-hmm. Which... Which is my favorite part of this chapter. I love everything about this broom. I love that it's sleek and shiny. I love that it has its own little personal registration number. I love that it just hovers right at the perfect riding height. You know, all those other brooms, they're just, you know, you have to call them up from the ground. Not this broom. This is a hot rod broom, and I'm all for it. What I want to see is, like, two people open a firebolt simultaneously that are, like, two feet different in height. Does the firebolt correctly hover at the correct height for each rider? Based on everything that I understand about the firebolt, I bet it has customizable settings and probably its own like custom smell. I bet you could change the smell of the wood. 100% sure. <laughs> I didn't know that the firebolt had a scent. But <laughs> does it also have like air conditioning and heating for you know really hot or really cold broom rides? When you are riding that broom, no matter the outside weather, you are super cool. Okay. I mean, the Firebolt Company should have hired you to do their advertising. <laughs> Firebolt Company, if you're listening, I am available. <laughs> but this broom is just so cool. And I love how it's it just carries on throughout this chapter and they're trying to figure out who would have given it. Is it Dumbledore? No, it wouldn't have been Dumbledore, you know? Oh, maybe, maybe it's, you know, Lupin, but you know, I love how that's just laughed out almost immediately. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the, that guy's clothes? If he could afford a firebolt that he could afford a pressed shirt. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm actually surprised that you're not more upset with Hermione in this chapter, considering you found her to be such a fun ruiner in Hogsmeade that, you know, here she is ruining the fun on Christmas Day, telling them some that Sirius Black probably sent you this broom to try to kill you. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I've 
I feel like that's probably a reasonable thing to say. I mean, if I have to say anything about Hermione in this chapter, it's the, uh, Harry, you're not going to murder anyone, Harry. Like, you know, like, no, Harry's going to murder somebody. Pretty sure. I mean, I would hope not. Everything that we've learned about Harry at this point, <laughs> I think he's a little bit above murder. He's so angry But in he's this chapter, definitely though. very angry. And you can understand his and Hermione's, con- or Hermione and Ron's concern for Harry. I love that when Harry comes down on Christmas morning, he can even tell that everything they're saying to him is a bit rehearsed, that they clearly talked about how they're going to calm Harry down and talk to him about everything that he learned in Hogsmeade. I like to imagine that it probably took Ron a couple more rehearsals than it did Hermione. I would love to see the Hermione eye rolls while her and Ron were figuring (laughs) that out. Yeah, but I, you know, Hermione comes from a a good point, and it's uh, and it's underscored by McGonagall at the end of this chapter, just you know, saying, "Oh, you're not writing that thing. We have to double check. You know, make sure that there's no jinxes because you know it's very suspicious that you, Harry Potter, are anonymously gifted a you know a broomstick that I can only imagine costs thousands of galleons." Yeah. You're not writing that thing also just reminded me that one of my favorite parts of the whole scene when Harry gets the broom is Hermione also says, nobody's writing that thing. And Harry's response is, what should I do, sweep the floor with it? (laughs) Which is so great because it's a joke that really only muggle-raised wizards would understand. I I don't know. How do wizards sweep their floor? Do they use brooms? And then do they also have flying brooms? Or is it just... A muggle thing to use brooms to sweep their floor. You know, I'm 100% sure that if the Firebolt had the sweep room, it would do it great. <laughs> there wouldn't be any dust. Nothing. Nothing? Would no. it sweep the floor itself? You wouldn't have to do it yourself? Oh, yeah. For sure. Of course. <laughs> but I just, I thought that was a funny little comeback um, and some good humor mixed into this and, otherwise and pretty l- tense. Literally, Hermione's probably the only one that would have got that joke. Yeah, exactly. In the entire school. Yes. But, you know, Harry is just burning hot with rage in this chapter. We enter in and he's, you know, he doesn't want to confront the Weasley twins. He sleeps in. He spends his day in bed. Even Ron goes after and looks for him and he pretends to be asleep because such is, he's just so mad at the entire world. Those who lied, those who hid, at Sirius, who betrayed, you know, everything. He's just so upset. And nothing seems to really snap him out of it, even getting Christmas presents from the Weasleys, which has always been so meaningful to him because they really accept him and treat him as part of their family on Christmas, which is something he's never had before. Even that doesn't really phase him this time because he just is so focused on this rage. Yeah, and it's 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 so out of character that we almost don't even recognize Harry through this. Yeah. And, you know... All the way up until uh, they get to Hagrid's hut. You know, he's just consumed by this anger. And, I mean, you can see it in the way that he knocks on the door. It's awkwardly outgoing and confrontational for Harry. Exactly. And the fact that Hagrid, somebody who has been so true to him and Harry has valued so much, all he can think about now is telling Hagrid off and taking out all of his rage on Hagrid. And then we see Hagrid open the door and he's clearly 
disheveled, sad, sobbing, throws himself on Harry. And immediately we see kind of this strange, enraged Harry melt away. And the Harry that we know and love reappears. Yeah, that that door opening is literally just such a pivot point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in spite of uh, all of that rage, all of that anger and all of that, you know, self-righteousness that Harry is bringing to the table in that moment where he's going to tell Hagrid off how he failed him. And it all just goes out the window. And I think it's a real testament to who Harry is and the friendship that he has with Hagrid that, you know, no matter how angry he is with Harry, with Hagrid, and he's pretty justified in being upset with Hagrid. I mean, it's out of character for him, but you can see where he feels betrayed by his friend who up until this point has been pretty honest and forthcoming with him. But in this moment, we see that despite all that at the root of this friendship, is love for one another and Harry sees that the need that Hagrid has right there for his friend and the pain that Hagrid is going through is far more important than Harry getting his rage out. Yeah. And I think this really underscores part of Harry's character dynamic, which is that this love that is a central piece to him and, and, you know, Rowling's folklore here, it's literally runs through his veins. It's what's protected him um, mm-hmm. from Voldemort all these years, this this love, this ancient magic um, really just defines everything that Harry does. And we lose it for a second and we don't recognize him, but then the moment it's needed, he snaps right back. Yeah, and I think this is a great pivoting point in the whole series that we're really seeing Harry start to struggle with the darker moments of life and the anger and pain that come with it. And then that in all those moments, finding a way for love to overcome it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, St. Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians. And uh, if you're listening out there, you probably have heard this verse before. It's very popular at weddings and almost all weddings has it. Um, Uh, Paul goes on and he explains what love is. He talks about how it's patient and kind. But really the the root of what Paul is saying is all of our actions that we do in our life, you know, whether we're successful, whether we're courageous, whether we're strong, all of it, if at the base we don't have love, it's all but nothing. And so Harry here, just with all of his, you know, defining his using his courageousness to go and confront this person that's you know has been by his side his anger and self-righteousness that he is going to rectify these wrongs in his life and rectify the wrongs that the system can't correct you know Azkaban's too good for him because he's not affected by it anymore through all of that if he doesn't have love he's not hairy but here he is the moment it's needed, rushing back. And so maybe one of the things that we have to think about is how does love root in our daily lives? How are we connected to each other and others through this 
pure ancient magic, if you will. And so maybe hold on to that this week. Think about how you're living your life, maybe the actions, maybe your day-to-day, the people you see, the people you talk to, maybe what you do. And how are you rooting those things in a love that makes it more than just, as Paul says, a noisy gong? So hold on to that this week, and we'll see you next week on another exciting episode of The Good News in Harry Potter.